I want to say God bless you so very much for going through and greeting with us here today and welcoming these new members. And you followed instructions very, very well, and uh, that moved at the proper pace. Because um, it's a busy day, it's a big day with water baptism to follow the service, but I do have a couple of important announcements to, to lead in, and then from there we'll shift our spiritually and begin to get into the word of the Lord. So just bear with me real quickly. So I have a serve team meeting. If you're interested in being a part of the serve team, there's going to be a meeting during Sunday school hour. So you have to miss your Sunday school class for one week. It's going to be right here in the sanctuary next Sunday. So plan to join if you're interested in the serve team. And I, pre I hope that many of you are. Um, there's opportunities there to serve in our church family. Amen. It takes a lot of us to, uh, to bring everything together here on a Sunday morning. Um, secondly, there is a letter in the foyer on the table that is for members of this assembly. It looks just like this. And because two weeks from today at 2 p.m., we will have our annual church business meeting. And this letter tells you a little bit about that, some of the things that are going to be on there, and as well as the giving record, not the, your personal giving record. I think I reminded you, but if you didn't receive it by email, then it's going by mail. If you, that means if you didn't give, give the church an email, because it's automatic, it automatically sends it if you gave an email. If not, it'll be mailed to you. If you haven't got it, make sure, or if you'll get it this week, because they went out last week or late last week, I believe. I believe. Um, this, is the, this is just the giving record for the church or the, the resources of the church. One thing, I don't have time to dialogue I, because I've got to preach the gospel, preach the word of the Lord. But one thing that's new that we haven't talked about, but with our Wednesday evening study, I'm not going to be able to take a Wednesday and really talk about it because we've got a lot of momentum with our study on or with our strengthening marriage that we have going on. And um, we're very excited about what's taking place there. Um, but we're, one of the things that will be presented to you as a member of the church on the day of the election is we're considering purchasing. We've made a deal. I've made a deal, anyhow, with, uh, to purchase two lots, city lots that are to the east of this parking lot right here that is just right there. That little wooded area goes down into the creek area, and uh, it's a conditional agreement that I have, conditional upon the vote of the church, but it would be the green space that we have talked about for a long time that our own JoJo Riggs has mentioned many times because we can clear that out, fence it, and then both youth and kids and any group would have access to it. We'll set a picnic table up. We'll have a little play area for the kids. And then when those children are running around on a Wednesday night, I was trying to get some response, but nobody added that to the end of that. I just, I'll let it go. I'll let it go. Um, then that teacher, that leader can use the green space to take them and get them out of a confined space for a little while. I mean, no, that's important sometimes for children. So... You, You'll have an opportunity to dialogue. I'll give you all the information at that time. But don't wait. If you've got questions about it, see any of the deacons. They know about it. Certainly uh, they do. And then myself, and we'll do our very, very best to answer those questions beforehand. But So a little bit of that's mentioned in the letter. So make sure that if you're a member of the assembly, a bona fide card-carrying member, you pick that up. So when I printed that out, I printed out 125 copies. We have about 175 members, so of husbands and wives. Typically, I only take one, but if you want two, you take it. If we run out, then we know how to use the copier, and we'll make new. Amen for everyone. And also, if you have somebody that attended our study on Wednesday night and we were out of books, I have now passed out right at 100 books. We had 93 
um, adults in the service on Wednesday night that's a part of Strengthening Your Marriage. The books are in. They're right here, the additional books. They're in my office. You can pick that up today if you're planning to be a part of that study. And the last thing that I want to mention to you today is that it's the last day for deacon nominations. If you're going to nominate anyone for a deacon, there's a form on the table out in the foyer. If you're a member, you fill it out, you put it in that, con that container that's hanging on the door in there, and this is the last day that I can accept those so that I can have time to interview any that would have been nominated. So does that make sense to everybody here today? Amen. So I appreciate again. So visitors, thank you for being here on a very special day at First Assembly. Amen. And you've blessed us by being here. There should be a visitor card in the seat in front of you. If you would do a small favor for us, fill that out. Write a large check. Make that deposit when you fill it out. And uh, no, but fill that card out. And, and it's, that joke still works. After all these years, I've been doing that for 20-something years. Every time, I, I, if I'm going to reuse it, I judge it based upon the response of the people. And because I've got response from the church family, it'll, it'll surface again at some point in time in the not-too-distant future. But it does mean a lot for us to have that visitor card just to have a record of your visit with us. We have several visitors here today, and we want to say God bless you today. Amen. What I need you to do is pray for Pastor Brown, and that is because any time that we have like a lot of a special emphasis on other areas, it's very easy to get distracted and to look at this or to look at that. And I have to have an ability to pause and say, let's turn our attention to the Word of God. And so I need your help to do that today in prayer for me, and I certainly will add my agreement for you as well. I don't have a t I don't have a opening text as of yet. We'll read a text here today. I've tried to limit the amount of scripture that we'll be reading today, um, but I do have a title. I would ask if you would stand in honor today because we will read the text later. So this is just by faith. This is just by faith. Put that back down there if you would, Alyssa, please. And so the title of the message that I want to talk to you about today is Fringe Benefits. That sounds good, doesn't it? You think you have a better amen than that. Thank God for Fringe Benefits. Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. <laughs> fringe Benefits. This group of families that, that joined the church didn't know that there were Fringe Benefits to being a part of First Assembly. But there's Fringe Benefits today. So let's pray and let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I love you, and I'm grateful today for the opportunity to be able to minister your word. I feel inadequate today. Some days, Father, I feel emboldened and full of the Holy Spirit. Other days, I feel inadequate, and today is one of those days. And I confess to you today, uh, Father, publicly, I need the help of God. I need that supernatural unction and gifting that supersedes my own natural ability. And I pray, Lord, today that the word of God, Father, would not be limited in any capacity, that the words that are said would be Father God, piercing to our heart and mind, I pray that there would be illumination to our eyes today. Visitor, member, adherent, all alike, that there would be something said through the context of this message today that would strike, Father, a chord in their heart, and it would literally burn within them. The stirring of the Spirit of God would burn within them. I'm grateful to be a part of a covenant that provides fringe benefits. I pray that today, God. I pray that it becomes aware to the people as we minister your word. It's in Jesus' name and all God's children said amen. Amen. Thank you and so much. You can be seated. So I'll take just a moment. 
You know, after pastoring now for 28 years, full-time pastoral ministry, I grow. I grow as I pastor, I hope. I mean, obviously, I can be limited like everyone else, and if I don't press in, but over, the, over those years, I've, I've grown in my, my appreciation for being called into the pastoral ministry and seeing God's grace in the lives of people. You know, if, if you're an evangelist in, in a, let's say, a large, a large uh, ministry, we'll just use that for example, and you go to a city um, and you minister and people have been praying or whatever and lots of unsaved people are brought out to the service uh, you know, back when I was a kid, there was a lot of tent meetings and things of that nature, and not as much anymore. Um, so an evangelist sees fruit oftentimes just immediately. You know, somebody gets saved, there's a transformation in the life of someone, or a spiritual gift gets realized. But pastorally, sometimes, it's a much slower process. I mean, yes, there are times we see some immediate fruit, but sometimes it's just the, you know, it's just the chipping away. It's just the tapping. It's just the... You know, the, you know, the prophet Jeremiah said that God's word is like a hammer. And I've used this analogy before. And I didn't, real, I didn't understand what that meant until I was, uh, the, the guys up in Shirley were helping me and Sherry build our house after we had suffered a house fire. Because when I think of a hammer, you know, I think of just crushing and, you know, like a hammer just. And so we had to uh, bust a hole in the cinder block that was a part of the foundation to allow either some type of plumbing or perhaps heat and air to come in. And I watched those guys take a hammer and just tap, just slowly, just like that, just tap, tap, tap. And I thought, well, there's no way it's going to just, you, go, you know, to get a hole, you're going to have to hit that hard, but just tap. They just tap like that. And after about the 30 or the 40th time, just tapping, immediately a perfect cylinder-type hole began to emerge in that cinder block. And immediately the Spirit of the Lord just quickened in my heart standing there, and that's what his word does. Come on, it does. And, and it just taps. And, and as pastors, that's what we have to, we have to learn to accept that. You know, sometimes there's going to be an immediate response, but sometimes it's just the slowly God's grace working in the lives of people. I was so impressed by the men of this assembly yesterday. I was uh, uh, sharing in the fellowship um, breakfast and then the discussion that Barrett led and all the men, so many of the men participated to hear their growth. The subject matter was about, you know, speaking the word and controlling what you say. Come on, somebody. And it just, I was, I was stirred because those are principles that I hold to deeply. And to know that that's, and, and others do as well, but, the, but they're, people are learning those things. And they're testifying about how they're making changes in their life based upon these convictions where the Lord has just been slowly just Tapping away, tapping away. Eventually, you're all going to wear black. <laughs> My desire for each of you here, first of all, is saved, obviously, that you're born again, born into the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody. It'd be a shame for you to be sitting under the sound of preaching all the days of your life and not make heaven. And so we want everyone here to have a true conversion of faith in Christ Jesus. Number two, as your pastor... I want you to find fellowship within this body. I do. I just want you to find brothers and sisters of like precious faith. And, you know, here's the reality. You don't have to make, you don't have to have a hundred friends in this. You know, if you just have one or two people that will get in that trench with you, come on, somebody, that will get in that, that little dugout or whatever it is and, and, and just 
that you'll just be, they'll just be there to help you during the challenging seasons of life, then that's all that matters. And, and so I just pray that you find fellowship because we need one another. We just do. And then lastly, though, as the pastor of this assembly, my prayer is, is that through the preaching of this pulpit, whether it be myself or others, um, but especially me, since I do the bulk of the preaching on Sunday mornings, and uh, with that, my desire is that you, that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, and the Word of faith is near you. It is in your heart and it is in your mouth, and that you become that you become a person that just begins to believe in the Word of God, and you begin to hide it in your heart, and you begin to meditate upon it, and then you learn to act on it. Come on, somebody. And you, be, you begin to realize that it is active, it's alive, and that there are promises that it contains. And so we're going to go to the Word of God today. I told you last week I might be ending my series in the book, kind of what had become the, uh, the, the journey of faith, but I'm, I'm picking it back up. I'm in the book of Numbers, chapter number 15, and here's tragically what has taken place. The wandering begins. Last week, we were at the precipice. We don't, we don't, I'm not going to read that one just yet, Lori, so we'll hold off on it. Let me build up to it if you don't care. So the wandering has begun. What do I mean by the wandering? If you know that story at all, last week in the 14th chapter of the book of Numbers, 13th and 14th chapters, was the critical moment in the children of Israel as they were brought out of Egypt's bondage. What could have easily been about a 90-day, 60- to 90-day journey eventually became a, um, a, a 40-year journey because of their unbelief, because they stumbled into unbelief. And the Lord had brought them out of the Egyptian bondage. He had brought them to the base of Mount Sinai. And at the base of Mount Sinai, they had received the commandments, the law of Moses, as we call it, the Torah, the instructions of the Lord. And from there, they had traveled to Kadesh Barnea. I think we had rest. I may never pronounce those words correctly, but that's my best effort. Um, and, but from there, they were at the base of the mountain, the mountain of the Amorites, not the mountain of Mount Sinai, but it was their first opportunity to begin to take the promised land. Moses even spoke the prophetic word to the people. We've arrived here where God brought us out that he might bring us in. He even said, rise up and go and begin to take possession of the land. And, you know, so that was a word of faith that he spoken. But last week I drew your attention to they thought on it, and they thought maybe we ought to see it first. And they sent out spies. And how many of you know seeing is not necessarily believing? And we're to see by the eye of faith. And that was the context of last week. And so tragically, and I know most of you know that story, and if you were here last Sunday, you definitely know that story. This is where the 12 spies brought back, 10 of the 12 spies brought back a negative report. Ten of which saw by the or two saw by the by the eye of unbelief, two of which saw by the eye of faith. And so it brought God to a place where he simply pronounced a, a judgment upon the people that those that had been brought and delivered out of Egyptian bondage would not be allowed to go into the promised land. And it was pretty tragic, wasn't it? You know, last week I preached with a subdued heart because I had been thinking upon that passage throughout the entirety of the week, and it just grieved me that people that were on the edge of possessing and being who God called them to be, come on, to inherit houses they didn't build, to have vineyards they didn't plant, and have wells they didn't dig, and God was going to give them to them. But they stumbled in unbelief, and it was a place of tragedy, and I hate that for anyone. Don't let that be you. Don't stumble in unbelief at the word of faith. Believe the Lord. If God says go up, go up. If God says get out, get out. If God says come in, then come in. Come on, just obey the voice of the Lord. 
And so the book of Numbers chapter 15 then begins to take and picks it up as if as if the, they as they start their wandering. So with the, in this uh, we're going to start at a minute on the 37th verse. We're only going to read about five verses of scripture. But I want you to understand what was written beforehand because here beforehand we see some instruction from Moses concerning um, certain offerings that are to be made as they are anticipating going into the promised land. There are certain uh, free will offerings and sacrifices for unintentional sins or sins of ignorance. It's actually written that way in the King James Version of the Bible. If it is in ignorance, it's, he's distinguishing between using this word presumptuous sin and sins of ignorance. A presumptuous sin in the context of what Moses is saying or speaking here as he is reflecting the voice of God is when you know that God said don't do it. Or just the opposite, you know that God says do it and you fail to do it because that's sin as well. So he's speaking, he's saying that's a presumptuous sin. You've received, Torah means instruction. You've received instruction from the law. You know what God has said, but you're choosing to not do it. That's a presumptuous sin, and there was no offering for that sin. As a matter of fact, the offering was is that they would be cut off from the people. And so now, if there was an unintentional sin, a sin of ignorance, then there was a sacrifice for that sin. So that brings us here into a, a, a narrative, though. So right before the verse of Scripture that we're going to read here in a moment, we get a little record of something that takes place. The Bible tells us that a man gets up on the Sabbath. And the children of Israel had received instruction to hallow the Sabbath day. No labor whatsoever. And that even cooking, that's why God provided manna double the amount of manna the day before. And even the gathering of the wood that was necessary to cook the manna if you liked fried manna. <laughs> I know what you would choose. And so with that, we find that the Lord then said, we found a man who despite the scriptural instruction to not gather wood on the Sabbath, he gathers wood. And he's pulled out by Moses, called out, and God pronounces severe judgment. He is stoned to death by the people. Now, it's hard for us to think about this because now that we know God through Christ, we know the Lord through his mercy and his grace. And God was merciful then too. But God is still the righteous judge. No matter what generation or dispensation you might find yourself dwelling in. And so, but I'm not going to focus on that. But there, then there was an instruction that comes. What, the reason why I'm bringing you to this, it seems like it, as if the following instruction is given because of what took place. Because of this moment where this brother had been given the instruction of the Torah and he presumptuously chooses to disobey it, God then gives instruction to Moses. Let's read this in the 37th verse of the 15th chapter of the book of Numbers here, we're going to read about four verses or five verses of Scripture. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make them fringes. If you read a different version than I do, you probably see the word tassels there. But for the King James, it uses the term fringes. In the borders of their garments throughout their generation, and that they put on the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue. And it shall be unto you for a fringe that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. 
and that you seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which you used to go a-whoring, that you may remember when your eyes make contact with the fringe, especially the blue that's woven in, he said that you would remember all my commandments and be holy unto your God. For I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God, for I am the Lord your God. So here's this passage of Scripture where Moses gives something very unique. And this is actually repeated again in the book of Deuteronomy in the 22nd chapter when, that, when the wanderings have concluded and now Israel is actually about to go into the promised land. Moses repeats this commandment to this new generation. And so what we're going to talk about today, many of you or some of you know this pretty much in detail, but you have to remember there are many among us that do not know this. And there is a word for the Lord in this. So that particular word fringe there is what I'm going to draw our attention to very quickly. I said in other newer translations it would be tassels. And if you're familiar anything at all with the culture of modern Israel as it is a state of Israel and it's a little bit of a picture of some of the practices of even ancient Israel, you will discover that this practice of to the Jew, especially to the male, not as much to the female, that they practice the fringes on their garments. And that it actually would then become a large garment that often was reserved exclusively for worship. Some would put it on an undergarment, almost like a t-shirt. There would be an undergarment with a t-shirt and there would be the tassels here that would be exposed. Now I have in front of you today what is known as a tallit, if I say it right. I'll act like I do. Some of you that know more than me will probably just shake your head in, 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 uh, in, in prayer for me. Uh, but nonetheless, that's just the way I'm at. Uh, you can see this real quickly. That would be what is called that tassel from the corner of this particular garment. Now, the, the Hebrews developed a custom of folding this and knitting this and in a certain passage as again as a reminder. Now what you see obviously and I'm getting ahead of myself, you see the absence of the blue thread. And I'll tell you about that here in just a moment. But what you'll find is you're going to find you're going to find five knots that have been tied eight times to bring that number it's on each one of the corners that will bring it to 13. And it's because the reason why that they have done this, and this is tradition, it's not biblical, but it's just tradition. And, and there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, all traditions are not bad, right? Now, this became, some of this did become something that Jesus had to address. If you read the, his reproof of the Pharisees, not only when he, when he spoke uh, to them about their attire, he spoke about their borders or their hymns or their fringes that they made longer to make them look more spiritual than others. But that's for another story at another time. But the actual word there uh, in the um, Hebrew there that is translated tassel or fringes is uh, sasith. I mean, I know I'm not sounding correctly or whatever, but nonetheless, uh, the, the, the reason that the numerical value of that word in the Hebrew is 600. So they, they tie this, uh, you know, uh, five times eight or plus eight is 13, so that when they add this together, it's the 613 commands of the Mosaic law. So, so the point is that then for the Hebrew male that when he's worshiping and, and he looks down upon his attire, whether it be a tallit as I have here today, a Hebrew prayer shawl, whether he's wearing it or whether it's under his cloak, hanging there suspended would be um, this tassel, the fringe of the garment, then he would see that and be reminded of the covenant promises of God and the responsibility for him to keep the commandments of God. Come on, somebody. Amen. 
Now, one was designated to be blue in color. And originally, it was thought... Now, many times, the things that you see that developed in tradition were not necessarily in Scripture, and neither is what I'm about to tell you now. There was nothing that told how that blue color was to be obtained. So, historically, it was believed that that blue color was taken from a particular um, fish or sea creature. And once they took that, that color, then they would dye the, the, the cloth or, that would, or the, the, the string or the twine that would actually become... Uh, the fringe, but over time, that particular sea creature, what it was, was lost, and so they didn't know, and so in 1913, Rabbi Isaac Herzog discovered a mollusk that he declared to be acceptable, but many observant Jews do not color one blue because they don't want to use a color that they believe that God may have not intended to be used, and so they only keep them white as you see the bulk or the majority of these prayer shawls with their ta- with their with their fringes exposed there um, as you see the majority of them are white but you will occasionally find some that do have the blue and so again this became a common if you have ever seen if you've ever seen any images of the modern state of Israel people praying at the wailing wall you will see the bulk of those men will be observant Jews will be wearing either a prayer shawl over them or the cloth that's underneath their their shirt with the corners of their garment exposed so that 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 so that the um, the fringe is visible to them as a reminder of the covenant promises of God. All right, there's a de- I won't really go into all that, but I want to just take you into here in this other for a moment. Now, it is widely believed that Jesus, being an observant Jew, would have wore the prayer shawl or had the corners of his garment marked in the same manner. It's widely believed that he would have. Now, there's a deeper teaching towards this that uh, I won't really attempt to get into that is actually here, uh, this word, and I may not pronounce it again, talit, and correctly, I think that's close enough, actually means uh, tent, little tent in, in the language, uh, and so little tent, so it's actually used as a prayer chamber. So that's why when Jesus said, you know, enter into your prayer chamber, and so it became a little tent, which reminded them of the little sanctuary which was uh, the sanctuary for God to commune with them in fellowship and in intercession. So it is believed, it is widely held, that Jesus himself would have carried or would have had this in his possession. It would have been on his person. It might have been exposed as he walked down the dusty streets of uh, the communities in which he ministered there as a reminder of the covenant promises of God. Because I can remind you, Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law. He said, I came to fulfill it. And so from there, though, now we're going to see if we take that, what's written in the book of Numbers, and if we can tie it to another story that we're probably more familiar with and then extract a deeper spiritual principle for you and I here today. So we have a story in Scripture that kind of seems out of context because it's during the ministry of Jesus. Jesus is in Galilee. Jesus is ministering the word of the Lord, and God is doing great things, and crowds are starting to form to the degree that people are pressing in upon him. And during one of those moments, he is interrupted in his ministry by a synagogue ruler by the name of Jairus. It's a familiar story to many of you. Jairus, uh, his daughter, which is 12 years of age, is lying at the point of death. And he is the, is the synagogue ruler uh, of, I believe, at Capernaum. And so he comes to Jesus and he's, he is beside himself, as you would be as well. And he has heard about the ministry of Jesus. He doesn't really know. He's processing these things in himself. Is this the Messiah? 
Messiah or not, but there's been testimony of that this roving rabbi has supernatural power working within him, that God is using him, and his daughter's at the point of death, and she literally dies, as you may know, in J- while J- Jairus is gone to minister, excuse me, to get Jesus, and Jesus consents. Jesus has compassion, and he consents to go back to the home of Jairus and pray for Jairus's daughter. And as they begin this journey, something takes place. And many of you know this, but we're going to just talk about it. The Bible tells us in all three of what they call the synoptic gospels, a similar record. Not as much information is given in Matthews. And we're going to read that probably here in just a moment of time. But a woman with what's called an issue of blood for 12 years. Oddly enough, at the same time that the birth of Jairus' daughter. So 12 years. So we have this number here of 12 that her menstrual of blood, her, her menstruation, her, her, her feminine menstrual cycle has not dried up after six to seven days, which is what is kind of part of course for many ladies, perhaps not all. And so as that continued, it brought very devastating effects upon her personally. Number one, just physically, that constant flow of blood. You can imagine her being anemic and, and, and struggling for energy. But then to pay for physicians to try to help her because uh, under the culture in which we are talking about, let me just remind you of what took place. You have to put this together. So we were in Numbers 15, but you have to go back to the preceding book in the book of Leviticus chapter 15 and to learn what would take place to a woman who was in our cycle of menstruation and, and also then if it didn't dry up. During the supposed week of her cycle, she was to be separated from her family. Now, as I begin to think about that and study it out deeper, I believe that we have uh, we've kind of co-mixed a little bit two things. It did not necessarily mean that she would live outside of her home. She might, many times they lived within the home, but she would be isolated from a particular uh, in a particular room from her family, and that the family would bring meals to her. But the scripture plainly says that whatever garment that she was to touch or sit upon, it would be unclean till the evening, and it would have to be washed. And if any person, if any person, if she touched any person, then that person then would be unclean until the evening. But the Bible plainly says, so you can see the, the challenge. Now, in one sense, I kind of thought about that and I thought, okay, that is a challenge. Uh, then I thought some of the ladies might have been like, okay, dad, you got the kids for the next seven days. I'm going to be in the room back here. I'm going to be reading a little bit. But nonetheless, we won't go there. All right, so with that said, so you can kind of see, though, when that, that maybe it was, and I don't want to say this, I'm not going to try to identify as a female or identify with female in any capacity, but at least at the end of seven days, life would kind of be restored back to normal. But for, for this woman, the next week, it continued, and it continued, and it continued, and it would alter everything about her life. It might, if we have no knowledge of what her situation was, she, is she married? Is she single? Is she married and dealing with the trauma of this? If she's single, she's not going to be able to be married during this season of life where that fountain of blood is still continuing to flow. So you can only imagine of the pressure that this moment has put upon her and if there is a family. And the Bible plainly says, the Bible plainly says that she had spent all of her living are you out there today? She had spent all of her living and was none the better, but actually, what's the Bible say? She rather grew worse. Are you out there? <laughs> but then, 
a fateful day comes along. How many of you are thankful for Jesus? How many know he can turn everything around in a moment of time? God can set you up. So here's this familiar story. We're going to only read it out of Matthew's gospel, and I'll elaborate upon it as we go. So let's just read it real quickly. Matthew 3 verses is all. In the midst of the story, en route with the throngs of humanity, Mark and Luke both use the word throng or the word press because hundreds of people are now in this band or caravan, if you will, of people that are leaving for where Jesus was at en route to Jairus' house when this event takes place. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood for 12 years. She came behind him and she touched the hem of his garment. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, he, or she, she, I, I jumped down one. Let me go back up. And touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. And when Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith had made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that very hour. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so there's a couple of things I want to talk to you about just briefly today that we can see. And you have to, in order to gain the fuller uh, measure of this story, you have to read it from all the gospel writers because each gospel writer adds a little bit. Mark says that she heard about Jesus. And when she heard about Jesus, Matthew then says she said within himself. Remember what I've been preaching about, the word of faith. She had heard about this man Jesus, that he was healing the sick. And she began to think on it and ponder on it. And she thought to herself, maybe if God's done it for one, he'll do it for somebody else. And she began to think about it. And how many you know faith began to rise up on the inside of her? And she began to say, you know what? I, the, the, the crowd is so great and I'm unclean. Now, we don't know. We've made her out to be like a leper. A leper would have lived outside the villages. She probably didn't live outside the villages. And she probably didn't have a sign saying unclean. She might have. I don't know. We may have evangelize that but she felt comfortable enough perhaps to uh, conceal her identity enough that she could go through the presses of people that were pressing in upon Jesus because she had a word in her heart she didn't need him to touch her she didn't need him to wave his hand over her or spit in the dirt and make clay she didn't need any of that all she needed to do was to get her little weakened hand through the masses of people and lay hold on the hem of his garment and when when she did, she was going to be made whole. And the Bible says exactly that she touched. Mark said she touched his garment. Matthew said she touched the hem of his garment. And Luke says she touched the border of his garment. And immediately she was healed. And the Bible again, I guess this is where I've got the word from, King James English. Felt, F-E-L-T. As the old adage, Brother Billy, it's better felt than tell. Come on, somebody. And so she felt it within herself. She knew God had done something. She felt the flow of blood immediately dry up by the supernatural power of God. What's beautiful about the story, though, is as you read it, and it builds faith in all of us when you read it, when that takes place and she catches hold of the garment, she recognizes that God's done something in her. But at the same time, simultaneously, Jesus recognizes that something's gone out of him. And he stops the masses of humanity that are thronging him, and he says, who touched me? 
Now listen, that's why there is a difference between being in the crowd and having faith to believe God for something. And so he said, who touched me? And the disciples dialogued with him, as you and I probably would have as well. And we would have thought to ourselves, we just wouldn't have said, our brother is crazy. He, they thought he was crazy at times. So there are hundreds of people pressing him and thronging him. We have no idea who touched We all touched you, Jesus, is what Peter said. Every one of us touched you. He said, no, 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 no. He said, there's a lot of people thronging me. I'm paraphrasing. A lot of people are in the crowd. He said, but that somebody has had a word of faith in their heart, and they've acted on the word of faith faith and they put the power of God in play because they touched me in faith they didn't just touch me they touched me in faith and at that time the woman comes out of the crowd because she knows that what's taking place within her is now known and she falls down before the Lord and she testifies to the Lord of what God has done inside her Now, I imagine that she told a little bit more of the story than what the gospel writers read. But when Jesus took the time to listen to her testimony, he paused and he looked right at her and he said, Daughter, be of good cheer. You know, she was concerned because she had touched him and made him unclean according to the Mosaic law. And she was concerned. But he looked back at her and he said, Daughter, be of good cheer. For thy faith hath made thee well. Amen? For thy faith hath made thee well. It's a powerful thing. And many of you know where I'm about to go here in just a moment of time. You say, Pastor Brown, that's a powerful story. I've read it in my journey of faith, and it's built faith in me every time. But the connection here to Numbers 15 is this. In the, word, in the book of Numbers 15, it said that the fringes would be attached to the border of his garment. The border of that garment. And so the border or the hem of that garment that the fringe or the tassel would be tied to, if you see that word in the original language of Hebrew, is also translated wings. I'm going to get to that in a moment. But we understand when we read this in Greek here in the New Testament that he uses a word here that is translated hem or border of the garment. And we have, I never can say it right, the Septuagint. We have a translation of the Hebrew. Bible into Greek that many times the apostles themselves quoted from. It was translated um, about two centuries before the time of Christ. And so it was uh, many of the apostles themselves did read it and translate. That same word that was used for border here in Matthew's gospel or whichever gospel uses the word border is the same word that was used in Numbers chapter number 15. So the reason and the, in the borders. And so it is the belief then, if you're understanding and what I'm saying here is that when she reached out her hand and caught hold of the border of her, the garment is that she caught hold not just of his coat jacket or his shirt jacket or a shirt that he was wearing, but of this prayer shawl or the covering that would have had the corners exposed with the tassels thereof. And she caught hold of the hem of that garment. And when she caught hold of the hem of that garment, then there was a supernatural work of grace wrought in her heart and life. And 12 years of suffering and 12 years of a flow of blood immediately was dried up because of the supernatural power of almighty God hallelujah and so but what makes this more significant again is when you take the word in the Hebrew that is translated border of the garment in the Hebrew it is translated border twice in the King James version of the Bible but it is translated wings 74 times in the King James version of the Bible and it's because not only is it the wings of an angel or the wings of a bird but it has actually the wings or the corners of the garment it is the belief that that was represented 
presentation of that the four corners, or as the King James says in Deuteronomy 22 and 12, the four quarters of the garment, they were known as the wings of the prayer shawl or the prayer cloth of which the tassels then reminded them of the covenant promises of Almighty God. But what makes the story even more powerful is if you will go to the book of Malachi, the very last Old Testament prophet to prophesy before the coming of Messiah. In the last chapter of that book, the fourth chapter and the second verse, we have a messianic prophecy that was commonly held amongst the people. For it was describing the Messiah under this term, the son of righteousness, the son of righteousness. And it says this word right here, those that fear my name, the son of righteousness is going to arise with healing in his wings. And so with that, what it is believed is that the woman, she had being a Jewish woman, she had heard of the fame of Jesus and she had heard of his miracle working power. But it is also very probable that she had heard of the promise of the Messiah in Malachi's Come on, somebody. I lost volume up here somewhere. Was it me? And I I need volume to preach back to the preacher just a little bit. Or I'll strain my voice even worse. And so the point is, can you all hear me out there? All right. I've lost it here. And so very quickly, it's very probable that she heard the promise of Messiah that he would rise with healing in his wings. And when she acted in faith, and I'm getting ready to close this and break it personal to you, she was believing the word of God. You want to know how to be healed? And you want to know how God to do something powerful in your life? You've got to believe the word of God. She believed the word. She had heard that when he would come, he would be the son of righteousness. He would have healing in his wings. And it moved her to pass through her shame, her discontentment, her dissatisfaction, her sorrow, her disease, her travail, and move through the throngs of people and exhibit a God kind of faith by reaching forward and catching hold of the hem of his garment. And she immediately received of the testimony of God's healing power. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, Pastor Brown, what can we learn from this on the last half page of your notes? Because you said you wouldn't preach that long today. Number one, here's what you can learn. Number one is that you have an obscure passage in the book of Numbers, chapter number 15, that can carry the word of faith. Let me just tell you one more time that an obscure passage in the book of Numbers, in the Torah, can carry the, the, the life of God in it because all of the Word of God. Remember what Paul told Timothy. He said all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. God can quicken a word inside of you from the book of Leviticus that gives you faith to believe and act upon. So we have an obscure passage in the book of Numbers that's God-breathed and has still got life on it today. If I preach for another 20 years, I can stand a little bit more aged in front of my congregation and I can preach this same message with this same conviction and it will be just as alive 20 years from now as it is to this day and that is there is a tassel on the border of the garment that was on the Messiah and she by faith touched it and she received the power of God and you too as well come on somebody number two today the word is near you It's near you. That was always present with them as a reminder. The word is near you. It's in your heart and in your mouth. Come on, somebody. I love what it said about the woman. She heard about Jesus. And when she heard about Jesus, she believed. And she listened to this. We've been talking a lot about speaking. She said within herself, or you could say it this way, or she said to herself. 
I don't know about you. I talk to myself. I speak the word of faith. Come on, somebody. If it's in my heart and it's coming out of my mouth, I will speak the word of faith. I could just see her walking through that crowd. She's maybe clothed to try to, uh, to conceal her identity just a little bit. And I could just see her walking through that crowd just kind of speaking that word under her, her heart and mouth. And she said, he's healed to others. Uh, he's the son of righteousness. There's healing in his wings. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to touch God. I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean to touch you. I'm sorry. It's not you I'm meaning to touch. There's one that I'm after. Come on, somebody. So she, the word is near you. It's in your heart. Hide it in your heart and speak it. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. She believed the word of the Lord. Let me tell you this. When the woman laid hold upon the garment of Jesus, here's what she was doing and this is what you need to do as well. She was laying hold on the promises of God. You want God to do something in your life, then wallowing in self-pity, wallowing about your complaint and your sorrow is not going to release the supernatural power of Almighty God. But when you lay hold on a revealed word from God, quickened by the power of the Holy Spirit, and God has written it in your heart, then you, by faith, can reach out and take hold of the promises of God. And I want you to know, if you believe it, you can receive it. Come on, somebody. And God is faithful. When the Spirit quickens the Word in you, then brothers and sisters, lay hold on it. And I want to tell you this one last time today before we close. Sometimes you can't wait for God to touch you. Come on, I feel like I ought to say that again. I know we say that often. It's part of our lingo. If you need a touch from God, a touch from God. But I'm telling you, people of faith don't wait on the Lord to touch them. They got a promise, and they act on a promise, and they begin to be stirred in their heart, and they begin to pursue it. And I've said it, and I've got to close with this thought real quickly. I believe that it's very possible that if this was a, she was a Hebrew woman as far as we know, and she has the covenant promises of God, that she would have known more than just Malachi four and two. And I just wonder that when she saw the tassel of that garment extended from the, the, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, and if there was blue in it, did it remind her of the Word of God? And there are two verses. I just wonder if they were, they were written in the Torah, but were they written in her heart? I say it's very possible that it was. Remember what she was dealing with, a disease that had caused her a menstrual cycle to last 12 long years. But she had a promise in the Word of God in Exodus 15 and 26 that said, If you will hearken to the voice of the Lord, and if you will do that which is right, and you will give ear to my commandment, and you will keep my statutes, he said, I will put none of the diseases upon you that I'm putting upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord thy God that healeth thee. Come on, somebody. For I'm the Lord. And I just wonder when she was walking through the crowd, was she just speaking the word of faith in her heart? Lord God, you are Jehovah Rapha, Yahweh Rapha. You are the Lord who heals me. In one last verse, ten cha eight chapters later, Exodus 23, serve the Lord and I will bless your bread and water, the Lord said. And look what he said. He said, I will take sickness away from the midst of you. And so my word for you today is this. When God writes a word on the, on the tablet of your heart, lay hold to my faith. Believe it by faith and trust in the Lord. Come on, somebody. God is faithful to his word. It's called fringe benefits. Come on, somebody. It's fringe benefits. There are benefits of being a part of the kingdom of God, covenant benefits of faith that are waiting for you to hear it, to, to receive it, to believe it, and to act upon it. God is faithful. 
God, he's just looking for faith. He's looking for faith. And we are in a season of faith in our church family. Men and women are being stirred to believe by the Spirit of God, to believe the promises of God. Won't y'all stand up with me for just a minute of time here today? Now, I know I have water baptism today, and it is 1145, and I'm going to hasten those people towards getting ready for water baptism. But I just think it would be wrong. It would be wrong if we just didn't encourage you for a moment of time. If you're in pursuit of something from God, I want to just ask you by faith to just step out today and move toward the front if God's given you a word, and you just pursue God for a moment. We'll take time. We'll get ready for baptism. We'll do all that. But God forbid that I preach this word and didn't give you an opportunity, even if it's just simply a declaration of faith that you walk to the front and you lift your hands up and you're saying, God, I'm just laying hold on the promises of God. There are fringe benefits for those who believe. Come on, somebody. I just want to encourage you right now. I think Caleb has joined me on the platform today, and we're just going to give you that moment of time. God, we're laying hold on the promises of God. We're laying hold on the promises of God. Come on, we're laying hold on the promises of God. They're friends, but I want to encourage a few of you to come forward and just put the hand on somebody's shoulder and just give them a little bit of support here today and just let them know you're standing with them in prayer today. You're standing with them as they lift up their hand toward God and they're saying, God, I need, I'm here to believe. I'm here to trust in the word. If God's given you a word, I'm not telling you to do something. If he's not given you a word, you got to get a word from the Lord. But if the Lord has given you a word, then you got to lay hold on it by faith. For she heard about Jesus. Come on, somebody. She heard about Jesus, and she said it within herself. She said it within herself. If I might but touch the hem of his garment, the border of his garment, where the the tassels are, it's there where the fringe is. It's there where the covenant promise was made. It was there. I lay hold on it by faith. I encourage you in the name of Jesus. I encourage you in the Lord today. Come on, in that moment, nobody prayed for her. I'm going to come through just quickly and put anointing oil on you because I'm just your pastor and I can't. Oh, nobody prayed for her. No, No one waved their hand over her. She just believed God. She just believed the Lord. She just believed the Lord. Come on, somebody, we just believe God. We just believe the Lord. God, today, we just believe the Lord. We just believe the Lord. Come on, we just believe the Lord today. Come on, church, we just believe it. God, we're laying hold on the promises of God. We're giving one another support. We're anointing with oil because we're reminded that we are a part of a covenant family of faith, and we've got fringe benefits, fringe benefits, God, and we lay hold on them today. We lay hold on them by faith in the name of Jesus. We lay hold on them today. And we're not going to let this moment pass us by today, God, without laying hold on them by faith in the name of Jesus. We lay hold on them by faith, God. Father, we reach out because we want what you have for us, God. You had healing, Father, for those who would believe. And we believe today, God. We believe. There is faith in our heart to believe. Father, we are tired of certain things, God, and we stand on the Word of God. We believe we will, by faith, take hold of the hem of His garment today, God, for the supernatural power of the grace of God. Father, we believe in this room today. We believe, don't we, Robert? We believe in this house, God, in Jesus' name. Father, by your wounds, we stand on the word of God. We say, by the stripes of Jesus, we're healed. We believe, Father, for diseases to be dried up. 
We believe for promises to be revealed. We believe for clarity of direction, God, in the name of Jesus. We believe for doors. Father God, we believe today in this house and in this room, God, in the name of the Lord today, God, we believe. We believe today in this house. We believe. Father, we lay hold of the promises of God. God, we stand on your word in this room today. God, I don't know all the plight. I don't know all the situation. I don't know everything that every person has come to the front of this assembly. But, Father, I will say this. It's the enemy. It's the adversary of their soul who casts doubt in their heart and their mind. That, God, you're a God of faith. You're a God of, but the Word says all the promises of God in Him are yes, and they are in Him, amen. And today, as a covenant family of faith, as a covenant family of faith, we lay hold on the promises of God. God, I pray for supernatural healing today for men and women that walk to the front of this church, God. Maybe still bearing that sickness with them as they came. But today, God, we're believing for the supernatural power of Almighty God. God, we believe for it. We stand on your word today, Father. Others may have come because of there's a personal situation, a situation that's very particular to them. It's not universal. It's not even casually known amongst the church. They're very, they're very secretive, if you will, or very quiet. They don't want to expose that, but God, thou knowest. Thou knowest, God, and we believe today, Father, in this room, in this house, in this moment, oh God, we believe. We believe on behalf of one another. God, minister to people by your Holy Spirit. Just that quickly, just like that, the power of God went from the Lord Jesus to the woman. And I love this word. Y'all receive it with me today immediately. God, give us an immediately moment, Father, amongst this church family. Supernaturally, by the power of the Holy Spirit today, God, that the people of God. And Father, I'm going to pray that as, as men and women, God, this week are thinking on these things. I, I just want you to think with me as I close, and I'm about to give an uh, instruction to baptism. I'll let anybody pray at this altar as long as you want to pray. You pray. But those of us that are going to be in the baptism in a moment, we're going to have to, we got to go do what, what we're going to do. But I want you to think about that woman. She didn't hear about Jesus and receive her healing at the same moment. That can occur. She heard about him. She thought about it and pondered it. The word of faith was near her. It was in her heart and in her mouth. And when the moment occurs that he was coming near to her, she sees that moment, and she sees the power of God because she laid hold on the promises of God. Church family, it was fringe benefits. How many of you know you got covenant benefits about being in the kingdom of God? You got covenant benefits. They belong to you. Jesus called healing the children's bread. It's yours in Christ. He, he, he carried your infirmity. He carried your disease to the cross. Whether it be physical healing, emotional, spiritual situations in this family, God, today. I've given all that I can give at this moment, Father. And I believe the people have received. And they're going to walk out of here today when the time comes here in just a little while. And they're going to be reminded there's fringe benefits. Part of being of the kingdom of God. And they're going to believe for those benefits. So I bless them. 
with the word of faith. I just bless them today. It's in Jesus' name and all God's children said amen and amen. Now listen, I want to say this. If you want to continue to pray, you continue to pray.